Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Hi, this is the Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast. My name is Doug. I'm here with my cool Steve McVeigh. We're laughing because saying Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast and sounding like it's an easy thing to say, it's a little bit of an accomplishment. Yeah, thank you. It is. I, can I just apologize to all of the listeners for this soundboard that we have bought that allows us to put sound effects in the podcast? We are sorry. We are. I wish there was a sad sound effect we could use over <laughs> top of that. I wish there was a button for that. Yeah, I wish there was a button for that. I We've been talking about redefining. So the hope of the rural church, we're coming out of a difficult period. Season two, we've been talking about the hope of the rural church. And we've come to the conclusion that it, it, it has to do with redefining some phrases that we're all used to, or at least some concepts that we're all used to that need some tweaking, given the fact that we are now engaged in a post-Christian world. It, by the way, spoiler alert, if you didn't know that, I'm glad you're listening right now, because that ship has sailed probably mm -hmm. 20 years ago. We're just seeing the uh, radical results now. And so uh, today we're going to talk about discipleship and how the pastor who has that missionary's mindset is uh, the primary discipler. And that doesn't mean the only discipler. It means that you are the catalyst for discipleship. Mm -hmm. It must happen. And uh, as always, I'm with guys who are committed to discipleship. It's the model that all of us buy into, and um, and I would say that it is one of the hardcore DNA pieces of any successful missional ministry. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And, and so let's just start, because we're talking about a shift in an agrarian mindset. Yeah. If you go to any farm, if you go to any ranch, usually there's two levels of leadership. There's just two levels, period. There's the big-time operator, and then there's everybody else. Yep. And we take that to church. And when even when we say that you as the pastor are the primary discipler, we can, we can send a, a little bit of the wrong message. What we're, we're, we're wanting to shift away from the idea that discipleship happens on Sunday morning, that discipleship is you go to church, you hear what the pastor says, and you put it into practice. Discipleship is so much more than that. Having said that, it is the responsibility of the pastor to make sure that we are making disciples because that is the one thing we're biblically commanded to do. 
So have you ever heard of somebody who is not prepared to do discipleship or sermonize or whatever? You were telling us a story, and I just want to hear it. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, come on. I think you need. we need to hear a story about somebody who may not have done their homework because discipleship is homework, for sure. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. This story almost is like going to derail us. But So if we're not taking this seriously, this yeah. type of thing can happen. I was involved with a funeral. I'm mm-hmm. just, And I'm going to say this as vaguely as possible. Because people who who listen um, to this and know me are going to know who this is. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. Yeah. But a lady, a family in our church, their mother passed away. And so uh, the, the family, the, the, the parents had attended a different church in another town. And so I'm there. I'm grieving with the family. In comes the pastor. He doesn't really seem to be with us. Okay. I mean, he's there, but, you know, he has a loose-leaf notebook and... He's asking them questions. This is, is uh, it's, it's really what I'm going to tell you. Just please don't do this, Pastor. So they tell him, they say, we would like Proverbs 31 to be read at our mother's funeral. And he writes that down in his loose leaf notebook. Okay. So a couple days later, we are at the funeral. And he walks up to the podium, and I see he has a handful of loose leaf notebook paper. He hasn't even organized this, okay? And so as he's going through the service, he's shuffling through these papers, okay? And he gets to the reading of Proverbs 31. And so I would like to read to you Proverbs 31, 1 through 8, okay? Just imagine this. He sets this up. He says, The family has a special scripture that they have asked me to read in regards to their mother. The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son, listen, son of my womb, listen, my son, the answer to my prayer. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings, for it is not for kings, Lamiel. It is not for kings to drink wine, <laughs> not for rulers to crave beer, Amen. lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Let beer be for those who are perishing, <laughs> wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery. Mm. No Amen. more. Amen. Amen. What a tribute to mom. Oh my <laughs> now, I don't know where that fits in this podcast, but it is about preparation. Right. Because right. discipleship wow. requires preparation. Well, preparation, yes. planning. Uh, stru- oh, so we've been talking about vision. We've been talking about redefining the role of the pastor in terms of missional calling. He's a missionary in the place. We all instinctively go to 2 Timothy chapter 2 as our guidepost. Let's read that. Um, Steve, go ahead. You've got it up. Yeah. And I, I think that makes sense. Absolutely. Second Timothy 2, 2. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Four generations there. I've mm. heard it. I'm teaching it to you. You're teaching it to others. Yeah. 
It's powerful. It's uh, it's powerful. So I'm a rural pastor, and I'm like, great, one more thing I have to do. Thanks a lot, Steve and Doug and Mike. Yeah, thank you. Like, I don't have enough to do. I've got a funeral, and apparently I can't read the passage anymore without (laughs) reading it first. I have to prepare. I have to prepare. So now I've got more work to do, which, again, I'm just going to say, yeah, you do. I mean, if if you want to see effective ministry, nobody's going to hand mm-hmm. this to you and t- say, "Hey, you're you're an automatically successful pastor, and Christ is replicated in your ministry without trying." <laughs> there, there are no, there's nobody like that, right? Oh man, it's such a hard balance, pastors. We we want to be healthy. We want to do things in a way that honors Jesus, and Jesus told us to take a Sabbath. But boy, he told us to give ourselves completely to the ministry. And this is something mm-hmm. that really is the disciples, the, the idea. And, and Doug, I want you to sort of maybe help me with this because we talk about discipleship. What is that? What is discipleship? If I'm the one, if a, a rural pastor, I'm the mm-hmm. one that's supposed to be leading discipleship, I'm the main discipler. What does that even mean? Yeah, uh, so it's it's really simple. I am mentoring. I'm guiding spiritually. It's spiritual guidance. I'm uh, nurturing, developing spiritual maturity in a- another believer. Um, you can do it a million different ways, but that's essentially what it is. I want to disciple a word only Christians use. So if we're using mentor, uh, you know, we use that. I am mentoring someone who in turn knows the end product of this is to mentor someone else. That's it. In a nutshell, Jesus was raising disciples who then were responsible, think about this, for the propagation of the gospel of Jesus Christ from the point on of his ascension. And it changes our worldview about how we do things. And here's what I mean by that. You know, right now, I think a lot of us take the church movement idea of like, get as many people in the building as we can, and we hope to produce a few disciples, right? I mean, that seems to be what we leaned in. That isn't what Jesus did. Jesus invested in three, then 12. And and actually, I say it's the greatest pyramid scheme in the world, because you flip it upside down of Jesus at the top, and it seems to flow. And when I talk about, we talk a lot about legacy and, and growth, and if you want to see those things happen for your next generations, one of the things you do is you need a discipleship model, because you need to mentor those people down the line so everybody's mentoring the next person. And actually, Jesus then therefore, if you just think of it from that standpoint, took three guys, 12, and from that point on created a, a billion followers or more, how many billions of followers do we have on the earth right now, of, of, his, of him. And, and the reality is if we want to share Jesus, the only way to truly do this is through discipleship. Mm. So can I be a contrarian? Yeah, I mean, sure. This is, yeah. Because, I mean, our whole goal here is to help rural pastors. I mean, that's, so I can remember, and, and I've said this before that I've gone to a conference and Doug has told me that that's the number one mistake that I made as a rural pastor is I went to conferences. Yep. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no yeah. Don't go to a conference. Doug Relish's conference. Yes. Why not to go to a conference? Unless it's a Dirt Roast Network con- conference <laughs> or a Rural Matters Institute. But right, anyway. Right. It's gold then. <laughs> so I I've like, been to them. I like conferences, just for the record. <laughs> I, no, that's great. But I like them. I've gone to them where they have a baseball diamond. I've gone to them where they have like this giant funnel. I actually was at a conference in giant 2019 funnel. where the the lead pastor at the conference described how their 39 staff members led the congregation through the discipleship process. Most of the pastors mm-hmm. I work with 
39 mm. is sometimes there's Sunday morning worship attendance. Right. So, so is this a program or is this just relationship? I mean, like what mm. is discipleship in a rural setting? Yeah. Uh, so there are a million steps to this, but essentially it is life on life. So I say mm-hmm. that to everybody we work with. We have a large group of volunteers who work with us. In mm-hmm. fact, I, you know, I say don't go to conferences. I don't actually say that because our, our training retreat is actually a small conference. <laughs> so when, when I'm doing a training retreat, I realize, hey, you know, we're filling the camp. So it's, it's something. I know that when we're talking about replication, that's a better way to even couch yes. this. Yes. This is replication. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And there are a lot of hurdles here, but I contend that we have to start with the vision of what, and this is the hard work. Get ready, guys. We're going to give them more work. I have to know what a discipled uh, student looks like, what a discipled follower of Christ looks like. And that's the hard work because it's not always the same. Obviously, somebody who can quote back the entire Bible, uh, exhibits all of the spiritual gifts, um, demonstrates all the fruits of the Spirit, and um, you know leads others into that, well, that's your true disciple. We can't get there from here. But we have to start somewhere. We have to pick someone. We have to move into this gap. And I would say, set some realistic goals uh, in discipleship or you're, you're just going to be overwhelmed. Exactly. Exactly. So Steve, what type of goals when you think about this, what should we be setting when it comes to discipleship? I was going to ask you that very thing. I mean, you're like, okay, what are the specific goals? Because here's, here's the thing. I get caught up as a pastor in running the ministry of the church. Yep. I, and, and I've already listened to this podcast. So I know that on Sunday morning, when I bring the word, I have to bring the words of God with passion and call people with conviction yeah. to action. And that's a discipling thing sure. that I do. Yeah. I'm struggling with this, this reality that the church can't make disciples. It has to be people. And how do I do that with a program? So, so Doug, I'm, I'm going to throw this on you because I think you've really, I mean, we're, we're playing political hot potato here, yeah, not, yeah, not bit. political, but we're playing hot potato here because I want to tell you, and, and I'm going to say this before you um, answer this question. When it comes to Dirt Roads Network, and when we ask our pastors, what do you want us to teach on? This is the number one response. Yeah. You would think it was, you know, like, how do we deal mm-hmm. with gender and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. going on in the world today? Mm-hmm. It is how does a rural person get discipled when they are independent, they like to hide, they don't like people in their lives, you right. know, all that kind of right. stuff. Farmers, ranchers, yeah. no matter where you are. And, and they live in rural for a reason, is what I've been told. And, my, and the small town guys in the vineyard say the same thing. So Doug, what would be your moment for that? Well, those things may all be true, but everybody loves a real relationship. So let's start there. This is real relationship, all right? This isn't a fake program. It's not something that I superimpose over your life. This is, this is me just being who I am in Christ, which is a, a mentor, uh, somebody who's going to walk you through some process. I, this is not a popular subject. It is a public, uh, it's a popular topic. And there's a difference. The subject means I'm willing to sit in and hear it all. The topic is just a, a one-line phrase. And here's the story that I think illustrates it. I have a friend, uh, he was uh, instrumental in the Navigators early on. And um, one of the cool things, 
one of the cool things that uh, uh, we had this conversation, he said, I love your discipleship uh, stuff. And I'm not trying to sell it, so I can say that. I said, well, that's awesome. He said, can I, t- can I buy a couple copies? I said, sure, you know, whatever. And he bought some. And then he went to youth pastors around the area and said, I, I, want, I want you to take a look at this, and if you're interested, I'll buy it for you. And he said, man, Doug, they're not interested. He said, they look at it, they're not interested. And uh, I said, Bill, I understand why they're not interested. And he, he said, I don't get it. Why? I said, because what you're handing them is a four-year process. The average youth pastor lasts 18 months. We're handing them about two and a half to three times as much information as they ever plan on going through. So we're telling them that to have uh, someone who understands what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And by the way, our discipleship focuses on a pattern of self-feeding. It, mm-hmm. it, it's not, these are the three things. So we had to land somewhere. We had to, we had to land somewhere. Right. And so we said, here are the things as far as rural youth ministry leadership, which is our niche. What do our people need to know? What do they need to be able to do? What do they need? You know, so we we boiled it down to the arms, attitudes of a servant leader, and it's a year. Then the relationships of a servant leader, and it's a year. And then the mind of a servant leader, the things they need to know, theological distinctives, and and you know those questions, and then and then skills of a servant. What, can, what should they be able to do? In education, Mike, you're a teacher. If you don't know what a kid should be able to do or recite back to you, you're a terrible teacher. Like, well, it's called curriculum. It's called scope, scope and sequence. And even, even with like, we don't want to offer like a specific, like this is the way to do it type program. There is guardrails. There is structure. There's a model, your model. I call that more model than anything. And here's yeah. why I call it a model. Because it, it's working down the list. And, and I think for a lot of pastors, they're looking for either the magic bullet, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. Or they're looking for, maybe I'm the only one that's ever done that. Maybe you're all better old pastors than me. But I look for the magic bullet at times. And the other thing is it, it takes time and sacrifice. To be the primary disciple maker, you have to give a little bit of your time up. And by the way, I challenge you to not to do it from an idea of an end and means to start with. I'm, I'm going to give you a starting point, folks. Start from ends and means, not for that, but treat it as something that you're going to enjoy, just investing in life. Remind yourself why you got into ministry in the first place a little bit. Like, that is what really benefits. And I think, uh, rural pastor, here's what I'm going to say to you. It's going to be highly relational, and it might not fit into the chart that you'll get from a book. In, in like how you measure whether or not you're making disciples is going to be highly relational, anecdotal, mm-hmm. in a smaller setting, because people don't want a program, but they do want a real relationship. So your job as the primary discipler is to make sure that your folks are in real discipling uh, relationships. And you can use books like Jim Putman has one, you know, mm-hmm. called Disciple Shift, has some great stuff in mm-hmm. it. John West um, has a, a book called Banding that talks about how you form, you know, discipleship groups. There's all sorts of programs and things that are helpful. Yeah. But in the end, it's the implementation and it's the yeah. relationship. This isn't a program. This is a relationship. There are two pieces that I want to throw in right, right here, and then I'll... 
I'll back away from the mic. But uh, number one, I think it's really important to remember that discipleship is different than follow-up. It is absolutely critical that when somebody comes to know Jesus Christ, you have a short-term response so they know what just happened. That's called follow-up. That's not discipleship. It's short-term. We have follow-up that we do. It's about six weeks. Everybody who ever leads somebody to Jesus Christ within the confines of our ministry knows that that is an expectation. We've coached them in it. The, The material's available. They know what they're supposed to do. The second piece is far more personally invasive because that is discipleship and it's ongoing. And Mm -hmm. I, I, um, I think that it's critical for us to continue to come back to the fact that there's a difference between discipleship and follow-up. The second thing that I'm, uh, that I, uh, that I want to throw in is this, you got to start somewhere and it's so hard to want to get the right thing. We are deluged with great, great materials in terms of discipleship. Uh, and if you're interested in finding some of that, you know, call us and we'll just, we'll share our take on it. But that's, you know, that's yeah. great, Doug. I'm going to, I'm going to end up a couple things here. And the one thing I want to say before it, we serve some basic coaching questions. We actually just serve some real basic. And what I mean by coaching questions is we actually serve four things to teach for follow-up. And then we had a, some things behind it, but we asked them basically the same thing. Like what's, what are you celebrating? How are you seeing God celebrate? What's not working? What's like basically sin issues in your life? But we don't get into that direction. We say, what's your struggles? What's your realities mm-hmm. that you need to confess or work on? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how are you seeing God move? Mm-hmm. How can we pray for you? And then what next steps are you taking? Just mm-hmm. simple questions. It was just, it was really simple, basic questions. And that isn't much of a program, but it works. So here's my challenge for you to end this thing today, to wrap this all up. Who, first of all, at a personal level is discipling you? Because I know I have a person, we actually call an accountability person that disciples me on a monthly basis. Now, it's maybe an, an hour, half hour of my time, um, oh, a month. It's an hour of my time, actually, a month. It's worth the time. It helps me grow in my walk of Jesus. So that's one thing. And I really seriously challenge you. I know you're pastoring churches, but invest in your own life. That's one. And by the way, you get the reality of what it means to be on that side. And then two... Who, two, who are two or three people that you can disciple or use the word mentor? We use the word mentoring in our church, to be honest, Doug, because it's just the word that's easier to explain. Yep, yep. Um, really means the same thing for us. Who are the two or three people that you're mentoring primarily? And I'm not talking about just an agenda to get someone into your church. I mean, just flat out doing it. And I recommend if it's you can't do an hour a week, which would be great, at least try twice a month for an hour of each of them. So it's four hours of your life. You could rotate between the two. I know it sounds like a low bar. I'm not trying to make it easy, but just start somewhere. Once you take the step of mentoring and discipling people, what you'll see is every time I disciple someone, I gang something. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm discipled, I gang something. So mm-hmm. I always look like I'm in a win-win situation. So, hey, pastor, you're doing great. Just step into it. You, I know that's your question because I know it's pretty much happening really across, I think, our, our, the American church right now is what discipleship looks like. Mm-hmm. So we're praying for you in that. We're hoping you take that next step to figure that out. Write some names down right now that you can contact when you get off of this. And, and we hope you have a great week, a great day, and we hope that you experience the love and blessing of Jesus. Take care, everybody. Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org. 
Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.